Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 62 of Teaching Tales, the podcast completely devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. I am your host, Brent Coley, elementary principal in beautiful Southern California, and joining me today from Northern California, or Central California, I believe, Northern California, there we go, Northern California, the one, the only, Brandon Blom. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing great, Brent. Thanks for having me. Great. Did I say your last name correctly? Yes, sir. Blom, you got it. As someone whose last name is mispronounced all the time, I, I want to be sensitive to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, awesome. Well, Brandon, we met, um, I appreciate you taking the time to join me. We met at the Spring Q Conference geez, about two, three weeks ago and had a great conversation that I was like, oh my gosh, please come on my podcast and and so we can continue this conversation because, um, well, I'll tease it a little bit, leave it there. Before we get to what we talked about, for anyone who is not familiar with you and your work, who is Brandon? What does Brandon do? So my uh, current role is Director of Educational Technology for Roseville City School District, or right outside Sacramento. And um, even though that's my title, you know, most people think Director of Ed Tech, um, you know, the green screen, the fun stuff, which absolutely that's part of my job, but I'm also in charge of uh, grading for the district. And so um, that's my current role and we'll talk more about that. And then before that, I was a uh, middle school teacher, taught seventh and eighth grade math, and then a uh, elementary principal and now in my current role. So, um, you know, enjoyed being at the middle school, elementary, and now at the district office. Awesome. Awesome. He's done a little bit of everything. And yeah, you you touched on... You talked about grading, and when we were at the Q conference, you were saying how over the last couple of years, you have <laughs> taken your district on the journey towards standards-based grading uh, at the middle school level, correct? Correct, yeah. Correct, and I know that my district currently, uh, I'm at the elementary level, and we use standards-based grades, so our report cards are um, standards-based. We don't have any letter grades uh, anymore. That's, those have been gone for a few years. But in my district at the middle and high school level, grades are uh, alive and well. <laughs> well, alive, maybe not well, so, so to speak. But uh, I'm so curious because you had said that you've taken this journey and mm -hmm. you're, if not there, you are close to being there. And, and it's been a successful trek toward standards-based grading. So kind of, if you would, because I'm, I'm sure anyone listening right now who who is not there or would like to be there would really benefit from what, what you can share. So the virtual yeah. mic is yours. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, anyone who has attempted to take on grading, um, anything, so homework, grading, it, it becomes passionate. People um, and rightfully so, like, hey, I've done this for 30 years. I went through the system, right? Like, I know what grading's about. And, um, and so, yeah, it's been a journey. And anyone who's going to go down that path, I think it's that whole line of, you know, educate people, do a lot of, you know, professional development, chunk it out, because if you try to do too much too fast, and, you know, us, so, you know, we've made, we've had a committee, we've done all this work, and I'll, I'll go into detail what I, what I mean when I say the work, but um, yeah, I mean, it started in August 2017, and the final full rollout, I mean, there'll, there'll always be work to do, right? But as far as like 
students and changing the system with the changes in place uh, August 2019. And I mean, that's two full years of yeah. committee meetings, board meetings, um, you know, presenting to staff. I mean, it's been a full two years. And, you know, hey, I'm sure some people might be listening saying we could do it in a year. Some people say that's too fast and take longer. But for our district, um, it's been a two year journey. And so, um, you know, there's so much around grading because what happens is as soon as you start peeling back, like, oh, we just want to talk about, you know, uh, maybe a hundred point scale doesn't make sense. Well, you start peeling that and then you're like, well, then what kind of calculation are you going to use if you're not, you know, and it just, it just keeps going. And that's why it takes so long. And I think that's why a lot of people know a lot of times that what they're doing around grading isn't right, but to take that challenge on, I mean, it takes a lot of people. It takes all our principals being on board. It took our teachers on the committee. I mean, it takes, I have a superintendent who is not afraid, like, Hey, there might be some community members that don't, Oh yeah. The changes at first. And I mean, I've just been really lucky that it's truly everyone, superintendent, assistant superintendent, um, the principals, teachers. I mean, it, it takes a lot of people to move an entire system away from something that been ingrained forever. Absolutely. No, I, 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 I think that's such a great point for anybody that t just the recognition, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's, it's a sacred cow for, for I yes. mean, it, this is something that, <laughs> To put this on the on the uh, in the spotlight as something, hey, what you're doing may not be the best way. Even I, I think you said it perfectly. Even when we realize that, mm -hmm. it it doesn't mean it's easy to move away from that. So it's almost like I know I'm not eating healthy. Yeah, <laughs> I know I'm not exercising like I should. But it's easier to 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 make that recognition to to come to. Uh, admitting that than it is mm -hmm. to actually getting on the treadmill every day and eating it more healthily and stuff like that. Maybe that's an oversimplification. It's probably an oversimplification because I think it's probably easier to to <laughs> start for at least for me to start eating healthy than <laughs> the whole system. But your your point remains. I mean, it's true that so the first step is recognizing, and that takes a lot. I mean, that that's why the first while was just us even explaining why we're even taking this on right like why are we talking about that because right that to your analogy of oh i need to eat healthier like first it's that acknowledgement like wait maybe they're maybe this grading system isn't equitable maybe what we're doing doesn't actually help us build relationships with students maybe we're not communicating clearly right like as we start building those questions i mean that takes time because I, it, anytime you challenge someone's belief of I know what I'm doing. And you start saying like, well, here's this other way. Even our great teachers, it's, it takes a minute, right? It takes a little bit of processing time to be like, oh, remember that point you made? Yeah, I, I kind of see that now. So, yeah. um, and then, like I said, as we'll talk through some of the specific things we're doing. I, I mean, my thing is though, to do all of it takes two years, but there are things that some of our teachers right away when we start talking about it, they're like, I can do this right now. Like this is something that immediately I can make a change around grading. Yeah. Well, I know like you'd mentioned homework yeah. and I saw, I went to your session on uh, homework at Q and I have at my site taken on that topic, but to your point, I did it two years ago <laughs> where introduced to just kind of like, cause again, at the elementary level, as, as you know, and you presented, there's no research Mm -hmm. to back up mm -hmm. <laughs> the positive impacts of homework at the elementary level. I mean, homework does not make kids learn more. I mean, there's, there's no research search that suggests that. That being said, if I stand up in a staff meeting and say, stop giving homework because here's an article and hold it up and say, because it says it's a bad thing, 
you and I both know how that would have gone over. Yeah. So rather it was like, Hey, so we, we completely slow process. Here's a, here's, here's an article, read this, take a little time, 10 minutes, talk, talk at your tables. What do you think? And really just have them reflect on why are we doing what we're doing? Mm-hmm. And if we can't answer that question, or if the answer is because it's what we've always done, that's not a good enough answer. So, so it's literally been two years. Do we, do we have it where I think I'd like to, like, where everybody is on the same page? No, not yet. However, we've seen a lot of progress in terms of people modifying their homework practice, moving away from just the traditional, well, I have to give homework because that's, that's what teachers do. Right. <laughs> I think when it, when it's like, no, not necessarily, that's not what the, what you have to do. So, and that's why in my session, so, you know, we always talk about why, so anything, whether it's grades, homework, or I'll talk about reading as well. Like, why do we give homework? And that's how I start my session and you got to see it. And, you know, like you said, if, it's, if the answer is just because we've always done it, well, that's never going to be good enough for me, right? Like, and so what happens is, you know, going to your point, bringing my staff on board, same thing. Like, even if I thought homework for kinder through third grade was crazy or all homework, I mean, some whatever, that instead, let's come to some collective commitments. Because it was amazing to me that people that had different views, our staff, we had read the book Whisperer, we had read some articles on homework, and they're like, well, reading is right. We wanted to get as a school site where reading isn't homework. Reading is just what we do. Exactly. Research will back. So then it was great because even people who maybe had different views on homework. So that was our process at, at my elementary school and as principals. What can we commit to? Well, no matter where people stood, it was, we want to put reading first. Well, then let's tell parents that. So we made it clear. Like we actually, you know, emailed parents that if you have to choose, because I'm a parent, I know you are as well. Yeah. Here's the reality. Like we get home from sports, you know, softball, eight o'clock at night, eat dinner, get the kids showered, all that stuff. Well, all of a sudden it's late. And most time in my household before we went down this journey was, okay, I have to do this worksheet, which I might get punished for or yeah. read where the worksheet doesn't actually help me academically. Most kids are going to do the worksheet because I don't want to sit out recess or I don't want to miss out on fun Friday or other stuff where that's the exact opposite thing we should be doing with our young kids. So, yeah. um, you know, that's where, like you said, instead of just like going in, this is now the policy, educate, see what you can come to an agreement around. Um, because it's amazing how many times, like after some education and giving it some time, like you said, people will realize like, Oh, we can come to some agreements here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, yeah. Coming, coming, if, if we, if we come together as a team and we reflect on that and we, yeah, yeah. if people don't like to be dragged along, even if the destination is, a potentially good one dragging somebody along doesn't work. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, so as you, as you started tackling the, 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 the concept of grading, you started mm-hmm. small. So, so how did it start? I mean, you mentioned yeah. committees and stuff like that. Good question. I mean, so really it was, you know, here's a crazy thing. Well, not crazy, but like the board policy was already set around. It didn't specifically call it standard based grading, but what it did call out was that a child's academic grade should be their academic grade. Now, at the face of it, when you talk to teachers, it's like, well, yeah, that's like, duh, of course, right? Like a kid's math grade should be a math grade. But what happens in traditional school, and you, you know, says, well, it, it, I always use this example. So let's just, this is one of the trends, 82%. What's an 82% mean? Well, first off, just 82, people are going to give different definitions. Well, that's at grade level. That's at standard. That's okay. Like you have all these different words where I'm like, we can't even define what that means. But then even asking teachers like, 
teachers will say, well, it depends. You know, in traditional grading where I'm mixing in homework and classroom discussion and all this stuff and hard work, well, that 82 might be a kid that doesn't know the subject area, but they work really hard, right? Because I inflate it with some points. Or it could be a kid who they know every single thing when it comes to math around the standards, but they don't always turn in their homework. So they're mm -hmm. minus that 18%, right? So what we got to in our district, the first step was just separating. Here's their academic grade. And then we separated what's called learning behaviors. So work completion, engagement in class, those are super important. In fact, they're so important that we're going to call them out on the report card. That way it's not a mix. So when a kid has a grade in math or science, that is how they're doing academically. Now, the kid that doesn't turn anything in, yeah, we need to talk about that. But if mathematics, they know all the standards, they should be getting the top score because the academic grade should represent how they are doing academically. Yeah. And same thing for what we have found, though, is, you know, you think about, is we also have kids and unfortunately, is you know some of our we have kids that come to our district brand new to the country, and they are working so hard in class. They're turning everything in that they can. They're super engaged, but their academic level is not where it needs to be at. Well, we don't want to lie to them either. You're academically here's where you're at, but your learning behaviors. I'm so proud of you because look at your engagement and your work completion. Yeah. Um. You know. You know. And so that was our first step was just separating learning behaviors from academics. Um. And then we also define formative and summative because. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen the Allen Iverson clip around practice. Like, what are we talking about? Practice, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and so we played that clip for our teachers. And it's, it's a great reminder that practice is super important. But here's my question to teachers. Practice is super important. If it's for practice, though, why are we grading it? Mm -hmm. Like, we don't grade practice. We get feedback on practice. We get better. So, the, uh, you know, last year, and this is crazy. It took a year to do this. But it takes time to plant seeds, go over the why, was, hey, separate learning behaviors and academic grades. And then just to find formative and summative. Formative is super important. We need kids to practice and get feedback. But until they get feedback on something, it doesn't count as a grade against them because we want kids to improve over time. Yeah. We celebrate. So, yeah. We celebrate. Or one of the big things in education now is celebrating failure, encouraging risk, all that kind of stuff. How do we do that if we're punishing? <laughs> if, we're, if, if they're learning to do something and you're grading it and marking them down, and especially in the middle and the high school level when that's when the points see, at least in my district, the points are, are so crucial. My daughter's a high school senior. My son is an eighth grader in middle school. So this is, this is a, this is a, a real life topic right now. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's where, um, when it comes to practice, I mean, it just, that whole idea I'm mean, thinking about, and I know you present as well. Like when I do a presentation, when I first build my presentation, if I had to turn that in and I got graded on it, and let's say you gave me a 40%, and then my, by the end, because I work and feedback, I get 100%, but you average that and you're like, yeah, C minus. Is that really fair, right? Like, no, in the end, I, it was more important for me to get feedback. And or maybe that's just me, but when I like build a presentation, the first time I run through it in my mind, I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to get better at this before I go present it to other people. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Where that's that's why, yeah. The, the iterations. I I don't want to be judged on my first. I don't want to be judged on my first one. I, but you do I, want feedback. I do want exactly. I want feedback. But yeah, that's a great example of of the presentations. Is yeah. that's why we practice. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and so that was you know yes that was like the first year, and then this year what we've been looking at is. Um, you know, basically everything from we're, we're getting rid of the 100 point scale because as a math, I'm a math teacher, 1% doesn't make a difference. Well, it's crazy to me. I mean, I taught however many kids. When a kid had an 80, I never had a kid come to my class and be like, Mr. Blum, I got to get an 81. What do I got to do to get an 81, right? 
But when a kid had a 79, how many times is that kid in your, yeah. you know, classroom? Like I got, and so it's weird to me that mathematically it's still 1%, but it makes such a difference that kids are willing to fight for. So we're going to four levels and that's a lot, pretty traditional for standard based grading. I mean, we looked at everything three, four, six, you know, our IB school is a, that's IB, but, um, so we went beginning, beginnings of, you know, the beginning level approaching proficient mastery. What's a little different about ours and a lot of standard based grading is we just separate it into two things. It's either standard, not met. That's the first two levels or standard met the last two levels. So that mastery isn't this unattainable magic thing of like, it's still, it's just, what we said is, is there more precision, more originality, more creativity, um, more consistency, all within the standard. So our top level, that's the one thing that gets a little, um, I've seen some districts get in trouble is they can't define what the highest level is. And in ours, we're telling teachers, like define what mastery looks like. Mm, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, 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 that, what a great point about the the 1%. <laughs> 1% means nothing if you're, 83 in yeah. yeah i mean it's like i got to be yeah I mean, but but uh but or 69 <laughs> i mean 69 or 59 oh my gosh how many boxes of tissues can i bring in to uh raise <laughs> so. and that's it's funny you say that example because we use that a lot with our teachers where when we are trying to say how kids do academically well you know even the new system for kids at approaching they're not where they need to be there's no more bringing in brownies boxes of Kleenex, like we're just reporting how they're doing academically. So this whole barbering system, like, yeah, that's nice. They brought you some tissue, but I'm not changing how they're doing academically because that did not improve their learning. And so the one other thing I know this is you know getting long, but the other big shift we're making is that there's no more no more overall grade, which that scares some people. Meaning like, you know, for language arts, so there's no more language arts. Great. You get scored in the domains. And for my own children, it's been amazing to see, like, I'll use my own daughter as an example. If she had just a combined score, she'd have the highest score because reading for literature. Great. Writing. Fantastic. Reading for informational text, a little bit more of a struggle on something she needs to focus on. But what we know in our system is once there's an overall kids don't look at those other areas. Yep. So we talk to teachers, like if we value those other things, we're not a high school. We don't have to report GPA. If we know what it helps learning to separate and give kids more specific feedback, then we need to do that. Yeah. Great point that, I mean, even as adults, if we look back to our college time, when you got a paperback or a test back or something like that, let's say it was a multiple choice test and you had an, uh, you had a, an 89 or a 91 or 92. Oh, sweet. Got my A. Moving on. Yeah. Rather, I mean, not to say that we would never look, but but how often do students look at that final grade and fail to look back even if the teacher provided the feedback well writing, it's like it when when you put a, a letter grade or a, something like that on a writing assignment it kind of overrides oftentimes any feedback that was uh that the teacher took a bunch of time <laughs> to, to put on that paper and we've talked about that especially with our because it usually comes up a lot of times around this essays and with our language arts teachers, like I hate telling them, but like we show them the research, like that's actually research based that as far as improving learning, once you put a grade, like you could put the most detailed comments, but kids won't look at it. And so we've talked about delaying the grade. And what's funny is some teachers at first, like, no, they look at it. And then other teachers are like, no, I know my own child. Like when my child comes home with a paper, if there's a grade on it, they don't look at it. And so uh, an educator up here in Sacramento, he, he always says that he, he doesn't put a grade on anything he gives feedback on and he doesn't get feedback on anything he gives a grade on. And I think that's a good lens to look through. Yeah. Yeah. 
because the feedback is the most important thing. And really, whether you're playing soccer or learning how to do math or reading for information, that's that's how we get better. If it's just a right, wrong, but no feedback on well, what did I wrong? Could I where where are we? So so right now in the process, you are. Is, is your report card complete? So your report card's completely revamped or it so will starting be next on, year? Yeah, so the, the change we made this year, the report card right now does have learning behavior separated and then the formative summative in the grade book, like a teacher can report formative if they want to. Um, but what happens is, and this is again pretty technical, but in the grade book, if I tag something formative, parents can see it, kids can see it, but it doesn't count toward the overall academic grade. It's not until I tag something as summative. So that was the work this year. And then starting next year, yeah, I mean, there's no more overall. Um, we're doing... The four levels so mastery will be the top level if a kid doesn't turn something in um there's no more zeros it's just called insufficient evidence um and because that's a big problem with the 100 point scale and i'm, I'm sure you've seen those charts a million times where if a kid gets a zero and they get 90s on everything else they're, they're they're done right like i mean it's so um you know taking care of that and then the default calculation the one thing is when you have words like beginning approaching proficient mastery you can have numbers on the back end, but we just went with mode as the default calculation. And we've really worked with teachers, though, that reminding teachers, you are the one. Like, if you have the evidence looking at recency and consistency of where a kid is, like, use that. You can override the gradebook. Like, we have, you know, and it's not just our district. I mean, I've talked to tons of teachers where, but the, the gradebook says, well, no, the gradebook doesn't say, right? That's just a calculation. And so we still have to, in our gradebook, put a default. And ours is mode. So whatever the kid has achieved the most consistently. So... Yeah. Anyway, that's that, yeah. So that will all August two thousand nineteen. That will all be taking place. That's awesome. Is yeah. have, what? How uh, has the topic come up with uh, retakes? Again, going back to this, the formative versus summative. Um, how have, te have teachers been receptive to that concept? Because I know that a lot of times, the old school thinking is not that they did it. They did it once, and and or going back to your oh, you got a zero. That's it. Missed the deadline. He's done or she's yeah. done. How is that? It's a great question. And, you know, so more than even just I need to retake that test as we look at just standards in general. So, like, we're really working with our teachers. We've done a lot of training this year around building rubrics. And so what we said is, like, let's use reading for informational text as an example. Well, if I look at that rubric and that kid happened to miss the test, but then on the next one, they can show me they can do it. Honestly, like, do I need I mean, and I, and I feel confident, right? Not just one, but they've now shown multiple times, like, do I even need that test again? Um, so that's one thing on retakes. The other thing that's been interesting with us breaking it down and not worrying about the overall so much is, you know, while it's not officially till next year, we have a lot of teachers that have just jumped in and it's awesome. And they'll show me like this, what I'm doing is they realize, like I just had a math teacher I met with him last week and he's like, look, before this would have been one score, but now because I'm breaking it down, these are three scores. This kid doesn't need to retake the whole test, which I would have given him before. Yeah. They've done fine on these two sections. But when it comes to, I think it was writing, or I mean, solving expressions, like this is where they're struggling. I'm like, awesome. Like, if you want to retake, now I don't have to retake the whole test. Yeah. That's what I'm working on. So I, I also always, being a realist with teachers, no, there is a limit. Like, while I love standards-based grading, like, you, you know, they'll retest a million times, but what we're trying to get them to see is, do they really need to take the whole test? Are you going to be assessing it again anyway, right? Like, that might not necessarily be a, give that exact test again, because I'm going to be reassessing that standard coming up. Yeah. Now, I, I, I love that concept of, of that's the beauty of the stand when you break it down is he's got these two sections. It's this part that he's or she's mm -hmm. struggling on. So just redo that. And how 
as a student, I can only imagine how students have you, I mean, what's the, what's the feedback been from students in your district? Yeah. And so once again, the teachers, uh, it's been fun. One of my favorite things is I've got to just ask students some of these questions when we've talked about grading and hearing their answers. And what's great is, um, you know, it is a shift because let's use that example where the teacher broke it down to three pieces. You know, one student was like, well, before I would have just been a 92% and I would have been fine, but now I have something I need to focus on. But then, you know, as we get more used to it, they're like, but then at the same time, I probably need to work on it anyway. Right. Because before, like you said, 92, hey, I'm good. Um, but it's been really fun. You, I'd say more than grades or any of that, what's been coolest from teachers and students is as they build rubrics is the conversations that teachers have got to have with students because they can self-assess. Like they can look at a rubric and be like, I don't know how to do this thing yet. Can you help me get there? Or teachers, instead of teachers saying, this is your grade, like you tell me, where do you think you fall right now? Yeah. So it's been really cool to hear teachers and students um, getting students more involved in the assessment process rather than the teacher being the one that dictates like this is your grade. Yeah. Well, as as we've had been having this conversation, I mean, for me, every episode it's like, okay, what's the moral of the story? What? What? It needs to be about learning and not the grade. <laughs> and using a, the personal example of 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 I think the traditional makeup of middle, especially high school. Um, I think it's, it's a broken system. The college system is broken and you hear so often, oh, well, high schools, we have to prepare them for college. So they do it terribly up in college, like the lecture. Well, they, they, they got used to listening to a lecture for two hours. So we're going to, it's like the food tastes terrible up there. So we got to get them used to the taste now. But I, I recall having a conversation with my daughter. Uh, uh, she's a senior now. It was last year having a conversation. And when I would ask, Hey, how was your day, baby? How, how'd your day go today? And virtually every time her, the, the quality of her day in her response to me was dependent on a grade that she got in a class or on an assignment or, or something like that. Like, Hey, how was your day? And she'd be like, Oh, great. I got a 95 on my, on my government test, or I, I got a, And it was just, it was always like that. And I remember one day just saying to her, I just kind of chuckled and I said, chuckling yet serious. I said, are you learning anything? And she, she looked at me kind of surprised by the question and smiled and said, of course, dad. And she proceeded to tell me all of the, the things that she is learning. And she has good, she goes to a great school with good teachers. But I think that's the byproduct of a broken system that is so focused on grades. Whereas I remember when she went into high school, the favorite app on her phone, like second to texting, was the gradebook app. And, and, and that's not right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it was so much about how many points do I have? Or how many more do I need to get to this grade rather than focused on what am I learning? And I think for anyone listening, I mean, that's what I'm taking away from this is wherever we are in our, in our journey toward revamping, whether it's homework practices or grading practices, it's, and if you're just a third grade, not just, if you are a third grade teacher, a kindergarten teacher, a high school principal, a, a director of, of technology like you are, how can we make it more about learning and less about 
points. And I think that's what you've done or that's what that's that's what you've been striving to do. Right. And I appreciate it because, you know, we do all I've done so many presentations. We're so over the staff and, you know, trying to summarize for like the school board, for example, like what is really the point of all this? And so I would say there's there's you know, there's so many things and I can obviously talk about forever. But the two things is one, we're trying to be better about communication. So when you see a kid's academic grade, that's their academic grade. Like I said, and while that seems simple. Like you said, that's not always the case when it comes to grading, right? But then second is it's about improving learning. That's why we're doing all this. That's why we exist, right? That's why schools exist. I always tell teachers, we have three goals. We need to keep kids safe, right, first. Two, we need to increase their learning. And we also need to increase their, so increase their skill, but then increase their will. I want kids to want to learn. And the other thing about grading, it's amazing how many times grading gets in the way of a kid enjoying a subject or wanting to learn more about something because, oh, that's not going to be on the test or rather than just, yeah, like I love science. Like let me learn more. And, you know, as far as I'll give you just a quick story. And anytime I give a story about grading, I, I got to be a little careful because, you know, I, if any teachers, you know, get back to them, because I think a lot of teachers, they just haven't had a chance to think about it. Right. They, they think they're improving learning. And when I give extra points and I'm doing this, well, you know, I've had this conversation with teachers all the time. Like I give them extra points because otherwise they won't do it, which doesn't help their learning. And, my take on that is always, yeah, you're maybe helping them for that minute, but are you building them into a, a lifelong learner, right? But the example I, you know, I like to give is my nephew in high school, um, he had this project, and, and I appreciate the teacher thinking about outside the box, like, hey, I want them to learn it's a, a science class and about a mole, and it's a mathematical, it's a calculation that they use for science. So she has them buy the materials to build a mole at home and then they have to make like a wrap or something which sounds all great right be creative i'm all about including the four c's however let's just think about this for a minute this is worth points this is affecting a kid's grade that will potentially impact them going to college yeah they're buying materials at home well my brother-in-law sister-in-law can afford materials equity there's a lot of kids that can't so one can't afford the materials two um, my, my, my nephew is super lucky. He has a mom, a grandma that will help him learn to sell. What about the kid that doesn't have the support at home? So, and now you go in, I, you know, Hey, my nephew can bring this thing in. He can get extra points. His grades now increase by however many percent, but the kid that might actually know the equation, how to apply the equation, actually knows science so much more, his grade, his chance of getting to college is lower. And that's not fair. Yeah. It's a total equity thing. And I, those are just the things that stick with me that we're trying to make a change where it's about equity, doing what's right for all kids. Um, and so, you know, I know a lot of people, like I said, I don't want to ever hammer a teacher, but we just do need to look at what we have always done and does it make sense? No, I agree. And yeah, the, anything that, that we're sharing, it's, it's not an indictment on, on a, any particular teacher or anything like that. I think it's, it's more of a statement about just kind of the system in general. Mm-hmm. And as exactly. I've talked about with my staff, like with the homework and you mentioned projects, that's one of the next things that we're going to be tackling. It's just, for me, it's reflection. If like when I talked about homework, I stood at the front raising my hand saying, ladies and gentlemen, I would have been leading the parade as somebody who gave bad homework sometimes. And why? Because nobody ever asked me to ask myself, why are you doing this, Brent? Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of the same thing. If we can ask ourselves, if our teachers can ask themselves, is the way I'm doing this the best way for student learning? Is the way I'm doing this the most equitable practice? Is it going to benefit your nephew? 
or his yeah. classmate who is not in the same position and can't go to Michael's and buy all of those supplies and doesn't have the family support uh, to, to complete that project. But like, if, like you said, maybe knows the material better. And, and, and again, yeah, that's, that's the problem with, with the high schools and the college and the GPAs and the, <laughs> yeah, you're t- talking about high stakes. Yeah. And, and, and we're lucky. I mean, if you, if you teach or principal of a elementary middle school, um, and I get the pressure. I mean, you saw when I present, I always talk about, I mean, I always try to name the fear and the fear is that, well, we need to prepare them for high school. We need to prepare them for college. Right. I mean, that, that's always the thing um, that seems to come up. And, you know, I always argue, or since I argue, like to discuss that, you know, like as an elementary principal, if I had taken away recess because I was preparing them for middle school, that would have sounded ridiculous. Like we take care of the kids at the age they have, or, you know, the age we have them at. And then same thing with, I love giving the example for my high school teachers, like, well, I'm preparing them for college. And I'm like, yeah, but in college, they're going to go to class 15 hours a week. Are you cool with that? Like, can they come to high school 15 hours a week? And they're like, no way. I'm like, well, we do what's right for our kids when we have them. Um, they'll, they'll learn to play whatever game is next. But, um, you know, the big thing is take care of the kids for what they need at the age that, you know, you have them. Amen. Amen. No, well, gosh, this is Brandon. Thank you. This is um, hopefully anybody listening, as I say frequently, even if nobody else listens, I got something out of this and it's something that something that I can use. I really like that separating the academic grade from the learning behaviors. Because that is probably one of the biggest uh, arguments for keeping things status quo is, well, they're not, they need to learn to be responsible and stuff like that. And you're not saying don't report on that. It's just, it should be separate. We're actually saying it's so important that we're going to call it out separately that like, and so that was, you know, and that was a mind shift because they're like, you don't even value it because it's not their academic grade. And we'll see how, this is new next year. We'll see how it is. Our actual, like for middle schools, the, the extracurricular eligibility, so sports or clubs, before, you know, we have to have a policy for our league or whatever that it used to be on based on academic grade. We're actually switching that to the learning behavior. So like, mm-hmm. is a kid working in class? Like, are they doing, because that, let's use the example, and I think of a very specific student where they're new to the country, their academic grade, they will never be eligible to play sports right now, right? I mean, they don't know English but they're working so hard in class. Shouldn't we be basing it off of that instead? And so, um, yeah. So my point being like, we find it so valuable. We're still calling it out over here, but their academic grade is just how they're doing academically. I love that. Gosh. And what a perfect example of, uh, of uh, somebody new to the country, learning the language whose work ethic is off the charts to penalize that student, to not let them be eligible for something would, would be a, uh, would be a shame. So, well, Brandon, before I let you go, for anyone who wants to connect with you online, how could they do that? Yeah, just everything is just Brandon K. Blom. Uh, so Twitter, uh, websites, BrandonKBlom.com, uh, email, BrandonKBlom at Gmail. So pretty simple, just uh, Brandon K. Blom. And I do, I love, you know, I appreciate you having me on. And we had just, it was great chatting with you at Q. I did read your book and I appreciate it. I'm not just saying I get on here. It just, uh, you know, everything that you believe in as far as, you know, the relationships and knowing students' names. Like as a principal, when any principal asks me advice, I'm like, get to know kids' names. It's amazing. So I just want to appreciate the time and all you're doing. And, um, but going back to the connecting and this is same thing. Like if anyone ever has questions, same thing on Boxer, like just reach out. Like I love talking about this and helping people where, or if you hear something, you're like, Hey, I disagree with that. I, I'm open for discussion at all times. I love, I love talking education because if I, you know, it really is about improving all students' learning, and that's what we're about. Awesome. Awesome. 
Well, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And yeah, the discussion, the reflection is usually where the growth, where the growth comes from. So, well, awesome. Brandon, thanks for taking the time and uh, listeners. Thank you for, for taking the time to listen. Hopefully you got something out of this. And uh, if you have not already done so, uh, subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Google Play, in Spotify, or you can listen directly on uh, the website at brentcoley.com on the podcast page. And as Brandon mentioned, I do have a book called Stories of Edu Influence. If you like stories with a message, I encourage you to pick up a copy because it's something that it's 23 years of stories from my experience as a classroom teacher and a site administrator that will remind you and encourage you that you make a difference even on the days when you do not feel like it. And that is available on Amazon. So once again, Brandon, thank you, my friend. I hope to connect with you again at a future conference in person. I appreciate it. It's great, great connecting and talking. Awesome. Awesome. And to everyone listening, thank you so much. And until next time, have a good one.